Well, Valdek Vasovic is the newly appointed PKFSA CEO, and he is also the managing partner of PKF Octagon. And Valdek, thanks for joining us on the show. And we wanted to delve into, firstly, your, your new role at PKF, and then delve into something quite interesting, which is this supposed bot takeover, uh, artificial intelligence, and where we're headed, and specifically in the auditing world. Um, so if we can start possibly with this, this new role, this new appointment, PKFSA, uh, CEO, maybe just explain that breakdown, and also how you, you're still going to be working with PKF Octagon. Yeah, Evan, thank you so much, and thank you for inviting me onto your show. In terms of my role, I've been the managing partner of our Joburg office, which is called PKF Octagon, um, since just before COVID. So I had the pleasure of being appointed as the new managing partner as the world almost ended, you know, during those early days of COVID. And we had some tough decisions to make, um, it, whether, you know, COVID is going to last three days or three months or three years. So that was a very interesting lesson. I've been with the firm since 2003, so I'm part of the I furniture see. at the Joburg office. And during my tenure, I sat on the national PKF Exco. We have a national Exco that runs and, and manages the workings of the national unit. We have eight offices around the country. So from that perspective, you know, we like to work together and we want to ensure that the quality, the service delivery, the standards are upheld by every office. Um, so we have a national directorship unit as such, and there was a vacancy in the CEO role. Um, the previous or the CEO two prior became the global CEO. Theo Mark is now running PKF International. And then we had um, an, another CEO for a short period of time. And a decision was made by our managing partners and exco members that you know we wanted to promote from within because it's it's, it's practices and professional firms are a little bit different than commercial See. endeavors and our chairperson uh, Ahmed Paruk from the Durban office is a partner and a managing partner of the Durban office um, so we wanted to follow the same thinking and appoint a a CEO from within the network so I still continue to have a two heads. One is running our Joburg office and the other one is overseeing the national operations. I think to a big degree, my job is made easy because we have a great leadership team um, in terms of our managing partners, every managing partner of every office and looks after that office. So we don't have to get too granular in terms of running of those offices. Um, and as a national unit, we're really focused on the bigger picture, which is really the fun stuff, which is the strategy, where we're going, where we're heading, looking out for trends like this, you know, in terms of where's the tech space going. Um, and, you know, we, we have seen the last couple of years that we've had more changes, I think, in our industry than we've had in the previous 15. So it's an interesting and exciting time to have taken up the role. Yeah, and we want to delve into those changes. I think that's brilliant. You, you actually very well placed, I think, to give us a bit of guidance there. And of course, you mentioned PKF International. So there's, um, you know, there's obviously this, this strong network and goes beyond just South Africa. So when we come to trends, I think, um, It'll be most interesting to, to chat to you. And, and we wanted to look at really, you know, the highlight and drill down to some of the other challenges in the industry. But when it comes to auditing specifically, you know, artificial intelligence, there's a lot of talk about, you know, bots coming in. I mean, can bots actually do such a complex job? Can our CEOs out there and C-suite executives expect a bot to be doing the audit edit anytime soon? 
It's a very, very good question. And I think that we are sitting at a crossroad in, I think most professions, if you look, have been the, the last the last sectors to be digitized and to go through some type of technological updates and, and changes when you look at many other industries have been fully revolutionized or uh, or disrupted by technology. I think to, to a big degree, you know, when you look at uh, legal firms, accounting firms, we have adopted technology, um, mostly in a back to middle office. But, uh, you know, I think the last couple of years, the bot and AI space has moved so quickly. Um, to a big degree, I think that as professionals, we echo the needs of our clients. And as auditors, you know, our fundamental duty is to protect the stakeholders and the, and the shareholders. Um, so from that perspective, when I look at technology, it's I, I really look at us as a mirror to what's happening in the economies. And as businesses are growing and becoming more complex and bigger, and more transactions are being processed every day in the in, in the average company, you know, if, whether you're looking at, it, at an SME or a large corporate, the complexity of business has increased, you know, at an exponential level over the last 15 to 20 years. And I think as professionals, it's our duty to respond to those needs of our clients and then to provide and build in solutions into our own firms that allow us to then audit our clients in an effective manner uh, to be able to actually do it properly. Because I think the sheer volume of transactions at the moment that one has to actually audit is is not really achievable and doable by just using the traditional means. So there has been a, a, a big trend towards the use of data analytics, the use of AI um, and other computerized systems to assist in audits because because companies themselves have become so so complex and, 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 and so sophisticated. So I really see us as nothing more than a mirror of what's happening in the marketplace. And I think that if we then segment that, you know, you have your big corporates who I think were the first to digitize. Um, then you had your mid-company sector and where digitization also has been taking place. And the last, I think, beacon of where technology is now disrupting um, quite aggressively is the SME segment as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing disruption with our clients and, and changes to the way that our clients do business across all levels, whether it be a small accounting client with tools such as cloud accounting and, and bank feeds are, and, and automated management reports are coming out and fintech lending, etc. cetera. Uh, it's all really cascading down from, from the big guys. So I think we're in a very interesting space. Um, I think that I don't really believe, Evan, that we're going to have a, uh, maybe I think it's an extremist future, you know, and when I look at it, um, I look at it in terms of, I think many times we have this either utopian or dystopian view of the future. And I think dystopian movies just make for far better watching. So half the movies about the future, which we have, are, you know, these apocalyptic movies because a utopian movie just wouldn't be fun to watch. Um, But I think I kind of see the road somewhere in the middle that we have this unique ability to take technology and to use these tools to help us do the menial work and the more boring and challenging work, which frankly no one really wants to do. And secondly, we are running out of people to do that work. 
So I think in many ways, technology is going to answer two needs. One, it's going to allow professionals to focus on what they're really good at, which is doing the advisory work and doing the higher level work. But secondly, I mean, I was reading a statistic that I think there's a shortage of 300,000 accountants in the US alone at the moment. So there's a worldwide shortage of auditors and accountants across the world. And the only way that we're going to address the growing needs of the economy is by bringing technology in to supplement for the shortage of skill sets that we are are encountering already. And we, we believe that that shortage will actually deepen and it will get worse. So I think what we're going to see in the future, Evan, is a a firm model where previously there was very much a pyramid structure. You know, you had two or three partners, 10, 15 managers, and you had, say, 40 junior people to mid-tier people doing all the work. I think we're going to to see what's called a a, a fat mid-tier structure, where we're going to see professional firms evolve themselves, where they will have more mid-tier and senior people who are able to analyze the work of bots, who are able to direct that work and instruct it, and then to analyze it after the bot or the, the AI tool has done its job. And then at the lower level, the previous intake of junior people will be sub- supplemented with technology. So I really see technology coming in and, and assisting us with our current shortage of, of, of human capital that we, we're betting with at the moment. You mentioned the the skills problem and challenge, and and the gap in South Africa is also uh, fairly high, right? Yes, I think that across the world, I think what two things have happened was one, we have a chronic shortage of accountants and auditors coming to the industry uh, to the degree that, you know, there have been calls for our regulators, uh, the IRBA, to allow for a second membership body to not only for SICA, to, to be a member body of Urbach so we can put more auditors through the stream. And but I think and so there's one shortage. I think education is a chronic shortage as well. Mm. I think that in many traditional communities you find that a lot of kids end up going towards the humanitarian or medical fields. So, you know, there, there is a shortage of kids going through to BCOM and, and entering the BCOM stream. So that is, I think, one area where definitely, you know, we as uh, stakeholders in this economy, in, in conjunction with our, our membership bodies, need to do a lot more in terms of promoting our profession and, and getting the pipeline of, of kids coming through to, to be a little bit stronger. But secondly, I think the advent of m- mobile work and of hybrid work and remote work, especially brought on by COVID, has seen a great number of South African accountants and any professional working for, you know, and working for offshore companies. So we've seen a, almost a double shortage. One is on the pipeline coming in, but secondly, it's now very possible for a young accountant to sit in Joburg, Cape Town or Durban and to be working for a, for a New York office, mm. for a London office of PKF mm. um, and to be applying his trade for those, for those companies and earning dollars. So we, ha- we have a shortage at the moment. And it is something that um, I actually sat at the Senior Partners Forum meeting a few days ago. And, you know, that, that critical skills shortage is being discussed by the industry mm. because we do think that that is actually our biggest stumbling block, block towards growth and towards our ability to service the clients. 
And of course, um, we're talking about the sophistication and complexity of these transactions, um, which is great. And you're talking about how technology can work with, with the humans and, and advice. And, and what about corruption? I mean, there's, there's this element also, this new audit area where we need to build more trust. Uh, there have been a lot of negative headlines in the past um, with some of the audits um, that have happened globally. Um, and, you know, how do we rebuild that trust, um, you know, in this new area, era going forward? And specifically with, with the, the heightened levels of corruption, money laundering, you know, sophisticated financial crime. Uh, are we going to be able to get ahead of that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that, unfortunately, when one looks at scandals, one or two scandals can undo a lot of good work that's done by the industry. And mm-hmm. I think probably when one looks at the statistics of how many audits are conducted, say, in South Africa versus how many scandals we have, it's not a big percentage, but unfortunately, they tend to be big scandals that, that hit the news. And you know, the perception in the market is that, well, one or two failed audits mean that the industry is failing. I think that to a big degree, the industry has been playing catch up mm-hmm. in terms of a depth, because we are already a mirror to what's happening out in, in the marketplace. So we always have to be evolving and, and adjusting to what's happening out there. I think the challenge, Evan, is that uh, what I find is that in many ways the 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 processes that we have um, and the risk assessments are only as good as the companies that we audit. And I think very often the finger is pointed only at one participant in the entire ecosystem. And when you look at uh, you know King Four now um, and and a lot of other governance conversations are leaning towards risk being apportioned between stakeholders because it all really starts with directors and the people in charge of the companies. You know, it's very difficult for auditors to come in and pick up very complex transactions. If we look at, you know, for example, you know, some of these scandals that we've had, there was a very pervasive element of, of directors and management colluding and, and working to hide these transactions. Mm. So it's very difficult, I think, starting with and, and walking into that environment and, and, and finding those type of errors. Uh, but at the same time, I do think the industry can do a little bit better. I think that overall, we've seen a number of changes. You know, one is that um, the international standard of quality control has been updated for firms. It became effective on 15th of December last year, okay. which really overhauls the way that firms should be run. It places a lot more emphasis on firm controls, on risk policies, and it really cuts across all any audit firm, from, from the biggest to the smallest size. And for me, you know, I don't always see this as compliance. For me, there's, there's a lot of potential value add where if firms embrace the new ISQM standard, they can get a lot of benefit out of it to actually run better firms to try and prevent some of these scandals. I think audit procedures have definitely been been changing and updated, updating where you know firms are developing specific audit procedures to address cybercrime and financial crime risks. Um, I think our, if you look at the new ISA standards that have come out, which force auditors to examine IT controls. Um, in far deeper ways. And I think it's a great, great move as well because it's forcing auditors to become a lot more aware of the client's IT environment. Um, I think technology such as data analytics helps firms to leverage the entire data set or leverage the information gleaned from an entire data set 
because you know the old days of picking a sample of say mm-hmm. 100 transactions out of 10,000 it, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack yeah. and for me data analytics tools have really helped a lot because we're now able to audit the entire data set and look for anomalies um, and look for data where to, to we can find patterns so we can see if there's potential fraud or money laundering activities um, i think uh, again training and education is critical yeah. we have to train and educate ourselves on a continuous basis because the world is changing so quickly you know if you became a chartered accountant and a registered auditor 10 to 15 years ago what we are doing today is vastly different so mm. continuous and meaningful education of our own people of ourselves and of our clients is critical and i think in many ways you see that a lot of big networks and firms ha- do run quite proactive training centers to you know not to only upskill themselves but to upskill their clients as well and i think that uh, working together on you know a lot of regulation has also come out in terms of forcing audits and accounting firms to report you know which which i think is good because we need to work together with the law enforcement agencies uh, we we can't work in a vacuum and i think that that relationship is also good because it 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 forces us as auditors to have a more of a focused view on our clients and at the moment that certain transactions are questionable we have to report them either as reportable irregularities to our regulator or to the fcsa etc and i think that that continuous relationship is critical to to ensuring that you know often you can find things but it's where they go to after that i think it's very often you find in the cases of the scandals that some of these could have been brought up to management but then management would just hash them down and and and, and things would move on but the moment you're now reporting these transactions to a third party regulator as well you're at least creating this i think a more honest conversation where even if the management and directors want to cover up these transactions because they've already been reported, it then means that they have to be dealt with in a proper manner. Well, Valdek, thanks for breaking down such key uh, trends that are taking shape in your industry. Certainly seems like a lot of positive moves, important moves, things that are really needed out there. And it's been great chatting to you. Thanks very much. Evan, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and thank you to the listeners.